Blog Talk Radio. I have an emergency. What is your location? Yes, indeed there is. Good morning and welcome to Rescue Radio. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for the war. We thank you for the battle that the victory has already been won in Jesus Christ. We thank you, Lord God, that sometimes we don't understand why life is so hard if you love us. So, God, we're going to ask you to help us today to understand that. Give us eyes to see, ears to hear, and a heart to receive the revelation of your love and to understand the spiritual battle that we are in that involves every element of our physical, mental, emotional, spiritual, relational lives. And so I pray, Father, and I thank you for thy will be done, O God, on earth and through us this day, for all of us, that you will go before us, Lord God, that your spirit abides within us, that you have died for us, that the salvation, the strategy for deliverance and rescue has already been completed, Lord God. In heaven, our names are registered and written, Lord God, we thank you for that. We thank you for giving us power even on earth to do the warfare that needs to be done, to bind, to loose, and to forgive. We thank you for those um, authorities that you've given us. We thank you, Lord God, that your promises are true and that uh, no weapon formed against us will prosper. So today we ask again for the divine covering of your protection and the promise of your word that whatever Satan would throw against us in our lives will not prevail to bring forth delay, discouragement, defeat, death, destruction but that instead, Lord God, you'd cover our families, those who work for us and pray for us and love us, those who come to us for help, those who are circumstanced in a place of difficulty this day, that you'd uh, reveal your love, your grace, your mercy, your rescue to them. And I thank you, Lord God, that you cover us in our health and safety and our traveling, our vehicles, our finances, every little tiny detail of our life that we might bring glory to your name. Give us uh, understanding, and I bind the spirit that would try to snatch or hinder, or restrict, or withhold the revelation of the love of God, that we would be blessed and encouraged to stay, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, honey, you're with me today. Yes, I'm here. (laughs) Glad to be here. Boy, we've got a great topic here today. Yeah, yeah, I know. It's so, um, like, what does it take to get, uh, you know, to get through this life? And if God is so, if loves me, why is my life so hard? Well, that's it. You know, that's that's a that's a wonderful question. A lot of people ask, you know, consciously or unconsciously, mm-hmm. you know, and, and sometimes if the old question, if God is so good, then why are all these things happening Bad things to me? happening to me, yeah. yeah. Well, if you look at it from a, the bigger picture in the spiritual context, and by the way, welcome to all you guests already that have arrived. We're thanking God for you today. And if you have a question or want to comment, you can also join us at 347 347- Two one five eight zero five one. I'll say that again. Three four seven two one five eight zero five one. Love to have you comment. But you know, um, I I have to just start this in the context. By the way, we're going to kind of be looking at First John today. But um, you know, there's there's chastening, there's testing, there's refining, there's trouble in this life. I mean, it's just set up that way. Life can be uh, look pretty hard, difficult, overwhelming, unfair. Uh, abusive, discouraging. Uh, but we have to understand from the context of both God's pro- 
uh, point of view and ours and the devil's that there is a certain amount of chastening or correcting, disciplining, training um, that has teaching, testing, refining that has to go on in this process, not to qualify us to get to heaven, but to qualify us because we are going to heaven. Mm-hmm. Let, let's let's go back maybe a, a few steps here. As far as the, realizing the love of God, uh, a lot of times we have a hard time, and that's what we're talking about too, a hard time really grasping this. That's right. Because part of it is that a lot of the times we just feel unworthy well, of love because yeah. of our upbringing and that well, that's a that's a basic foundational programming um, strategy the enemy uses to as we're born in that snake pit and and defined by the pit um, to feel unworthy um, like a failure, uh, unloved, abandoned, alone, afraid, etc. Um, but so in, even in that, even in a bigger picture than just our little point of view coming from that place of experience, our experiences that all add up to equal trouble, pain, you know. And then on the other side of that torture rack, we're trying to fix that, mm-hmm. fix ourselves, mm-hmm. be mm-hmm. worthy of love. Right. Uh, one of the things, is, it seems like from the time when we were children, there were people pointing out to us, or the devil's pointing it out to us, or we're pointing it out to ourselves somehow, all the things that are wrong with us. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, There's so many things wrong with us that we are not worthy of love. And like you said, we then do well, that we kind of all, leads- go through all kinds of contortions trying to fix ourselves, mm-hmm. trying to remedy that, or trying to drown that feeling, trying to uh, prove ourselves worthy, uh, not of only love. of God's love, yeah. or worthy to uh, one another. Yeah, or yeah. worthy to exist. Well, if we look in First John chapter 4, verse 1, interesting how it, what you just said, Jerry, works into exactly what I wanted to bring out too is that beloved verse uh, chapter 4 verse 1 of first john beloved do not believe every spirit but test the spirits whether they are of god because many false prophets have gone out into the world i think also many false prophets or thoughts have gone out into our heads from our heads our minds our souls these false spirits these spirits of deception condemnation rejection unworthiness have gone out into our um, into us, through our soul, have come into us to debate with what God says in our spirit about who we are. So again, we're seeing the devil trying to pull us down by challenging God's workmanship in us. Really, this fiery trial that you may be going through is really a test. Now, it's really not your test so much as it is God's test, because I believe the devil hates us. He hates the love relationship between us and God. And he is brutally challenging uh, that relationship to see if he can crack it, break it, uh, or, or cause it to become somehow um, a mockery or a, a disappointment or a, 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 a breaking God's heart in trying to break our hearts. So the devil hates our relationship with God. And he despises us. He despises the fact that we are in a privileged position as the sons and daughters of the Most High God. And so um, he's trying to get us to despise ourselves as well, to come into agreement with, with him. Mm-hmm. So that that comes in the form of our thoughts, right? right? And a lot of people don't even realize that these thoughts are not necessarily our thoughts. Yeah. They, they have a evil spiritual source That's right. to get us to feel alienated from, from God. From ourselves and from others. Right. 
so that we become out of sorts, so to speak. Um, so the devil creates a lot of spiritual questions in our minds, and, and these, these false prophets are in our heads uh, sound like us, and so we, we listen to them. Um, the whispering of discouragement or and the negative thoughts, and we don't check them. We don't take captive every thought, like Second uh, Corinthians ten three four five says to do. We do, we we allow those thoughts to kind of we meditate on them. The Bible says to think on whatsoever things are pure, lovely, honest, just, and of good report. Um, but we meditate, mull over, uh, worry, let this fearful snowball begin to grow in um, what could happen, anxiety. Um, it's up to me. It, it, it just distresses our body, our mind, and creates a, uh, it turns us into a kind of a nervous wreck. Mm-hmm. So the, it seems like there there's an aspect too when we're talking about the love of God for us. You know the the the, the well known scripture John three sixteen for God so loved the world that yeah. He gave His only begotten Son that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. For God so love the world that really includes us so and and we talk about the manifestation of the love of God which was Jesus coming to mm-hmm, minister on mm-hmm, earth to yeah. die on the cross for our sins so we get that fact we can have, we can be presented with those facts yeah. but we still don't get the connection between that fact Mm-hmm. and what's going on in my heart and mm-hmm. in my life in my relationship that's, with God I believe that's because the devil says yeah but if God so loved the world, then why? And then on, on bookended on both sides of that precious verse is all the wrath of God, the wars of God, the, the commandments that we fail to keep, and all the judgments of God, and all the stuff we see going on in the world. And we say there's just no way that this one little verse is really the crux of what's going on. So uh, the enemy, um, he he discourages us through, you know, those, you know, uh, the Bible says to rightly divide the holy word of God, but I believe a lot of times the enemy, these false prophets, are even causing us uh, to misunderstand, misinterpreting the word of God to us. These are religious spirits, spirits of deception, divination, error, uh, logic, uh, that come as pious deceivers to to contaminate or taint the character of God uh, to us so that we don't feel like we have a friend, we don't have a, a backup system, we don't have someone who's there for us. And a lot of times that comes to us in the form of, you know, it comes to us religiously as a, as yeah. a form of religion. It looks like God. It looks like God, mm-hmm. but it actually, what it actually does is alienates us uh, from God. Exactly. And then the devil creates difficult circumstances. And the more this, this thing is a, uh, the more negative, the more guilt ridden, the more unworthy that we feel, the more condemned, of course, the devil is the accuser of the brethren. <clears throat> the more that we get to be buried underneath these thoughts, the more then the devil can actually go ahead and create more circumstances that create a, a deepening or a, an intensifying of the difficulty that we're in until we feel claustrophobic and trapped. Mm-hmm. So there's, we, we can open the door to greater and greater uh, affirmation of what we believe is wrong with us, what's, what we believe is wrong with God, and uh, so, the, so it's just basically, it's just, uh, uh, it's an ever-expanding universe of, of, of negativity doubt and fear and negativity. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so sometimes, so what? Some 
So this is I, a huge battle. Yeah, and sometimes people, <clears> what they do is try try harder. Okay, I got to read my Bible more. I'm mm-hmm, gonna mm-hmm. I'm gonna go to church more. Go but to Bible that only study. Makes I'm gonna fast and pray. What does that do to uh, you? I'm gonna get it in the accountability group and all that, and and so it just it just kind of forces the issue. And then a lot of times, what happens with people? They say, this is just too hard. They get mm-hmm. worn out of it mm-hmm. and just say, forget it. Too hard it. to serve God. Forget it. Like one person said, I, I got tired of trying to be good, so I just decided to just be bad. And be good at being bad, like could they be say. Good, good at being bad, yeah. So the devil, he's, he's, he's crushing us through very difficult circumstances, and we don't realize that the reason he can do that is because of the lies that we're believing about ourselves and about God. Um, and as the devil continues to accuse us of our sin, our error, our unworthiness, we sink deeper and deeper um, into that place of fear or fearfulness. And it says, in, of course, First John, that perfect love casts out fear. But let's look at First John chapter 4, verse 7, and kind of go through it from there. Because I think this confusion about the love of God for us um, causes then another wave of unloving spirits to be sent out into the midst of us to cause discord among brethren. And um, so, uh, you know, here we have it. Beloved, let us love one another, for love is of God, and everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. And you could also say that everyone who um, knows that they're loved, loves. But if they don't know they're loved, they're not going to be able to love one another. And then there's a lot of questions about what is it? Is it tough love? Is it... Is there a uh, draw a line here and I'm going to go this far and no further with this love? What is love? And do you take a risk when you love of, of being made a fool of, taken advantage of? You know, there are stories Jesus told about, you know, the Good Samaritan, for example, or turning the other cheek, going the second mile. Uh, this kind of love does not consider you as the lover uh, your welfare before the other person, but puts that other person before mm-hmm. you mm-hmm. and seems to be okay with that. It seems to be fine with, I'm not worried about me. You know, I, I'm not going to, not, I'm not going to lose anything of myself by loving you. And you can't take anything, even though you might try to rip me off because I'm nice to you. You can't really take anything from me that's of any value because I am okay with who I am and, and I'm secure in the love of God. So I'm, I'm, it, it's safe for me to love you. I'm not worried or fearful that if I love this other person, that somehow I'll get ripped off. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you, you take that risk. You take that risk. And 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 Paul got to the point where there are a lot of people. The Apostle Paul, when he spoke in the churches and churches that he founded and mm-hmm. helped us otherwise help establish, uh, he had people that rejected him. Yeah. Uh, he said at one point, "The more I love, the less I be loved." Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, well, that, it, that's the the chance you take. But really, it in a sense, it doesn't matter. So, so if God loves me, why is my life so hard? It really goes back to knowing why you're feeling or experiencing or not experiencing the love of God for yourself, and then how that also affects your relationships with other people, which are the main source of our difficult lives, by the way. I think our relationships with very close members of our family um, and and very important relationships, when those are not good, when those are not full of love, those are the source of the greatest pain. Mm-hmm. And so if your life is not is hard, is not going good, it's because either, number one, you don't know the love that you, that God has for you, you don't love yourself, 
or you're not able to express that love to other people without fear. And so everything becomes all twisted and uptight and um, uh, deceptive. So he says here, he who does not love does not know God for God is love. Well, that's pretty, it seems like pretty simple. He who does not love does not know God. Um, For in, in this, the love of God was manifested towards us. And you've already referred to that, Jerry, that God has sent his only begotten son into the world that we might live through him. Mm -hmm. This act of rescue through the redemption plan, through sending Jesus Christ, the son of God made flesh incarnate, come to the planet earth from heaven, uh, descending, taking on a human form to rescue us by completing the requirements demanded of death and sin that were initiated in the garden by fulfilling death's demand on the human race himself through his own personal death, through the shedding of his own blood on a sacrificial altar, which was the cross. That was God's demonstration of his love, his care, his character Mm -hmm. for us. Because if he didn't care, his character was indifferent. He would have just let this thing go on and self-destruct. Mm-hmm. So love is is act is actually um, very proactive, right? It 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 goes after. It does not. There's a there's a worthiness that we have as people because we're created in the likeness and image of God. Even though that image can be very severely marred by a lot of sin and disobedience and struggle and hurt and right. pain. It's forgivable. So, 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 so we're, 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 we're broken. And, and, and Jesus didn't come to save us because we were so good, because we were so needy. Yeah, and, so lost. And he recognizes, though, and, the treasure that's yep. in us. Yep. And, and, and part of the love of God, Marjorie, is that, that working through us is that we recognize the value of another person, no matter how messed up they seem to be, right. or how annoying you they see can them be, the eyes of Jesus. or how rebellious they can be, we have we come to the place where we see them through the like you're saying through the eyes of Jesus. Mm-hmm. Well, here's another thing about that: when you're looking at people who are so messed up, and you, the first thing that we want to do in response to that mess, of course, if you spill a glass of milk, the first thing. A normal person would do would be to grab a rag to wipe it up. First thing you do when you see a mess is you want to fix it. You want to help that person. You want to take the situation in control. Um, you uh, you know bring resolution. Uh, you want to fix it. And so again, that could be meddling. It could be interfering. It could be misperceived. It could be uh, seen as control or interference. And so love has to find a way to rescue people who are maybe. A broken, unwilling to grab onto the life preserver. You know what I'm saying? It's kind of like complicated. So he said um, in, in verse 11, uh, Beloved, if God so loved us, we ought also to love one another. It's You cannot love really anyone else. Um, and this is the real test of our, this is the real test of tests. You know, is your life hard? Is it difficult? Are you going to make, you know, your million by the time you're 40? Are you going to you know, end up on the on the street homeless. God said he'd never see that, allow the righteous to be forsaken or their seed begging bread. Is God going to keep his promise? What's all this about? But the bottom line for you and I, the true test for us is to love in spite of this, in spite of this 
this challenging life we're in. It's very temporary, people, and Jesus is coming back probably sooner than we're thinking. But, you know, and I'm not just going to hold out to the end and white-knuckle it. I'm I'm going to do something here with my life for the glory of God, and so are you. We don't have to give this thing to the devil. You don't have to give it to the devil and just cave in and give up the boat. But, but on the other hand, about that minute that you finally surrender and stop trying to do it yourself, you just cry out to God and say, I can't do this, Lord, is the second that the Lord God will reveal himself to you in that place of misery or destruction. Uh, God, and, and, and God does not want to continue to, be, to look like a liar to you. He does not want to continue to have the enemy be able to convince you that God is not there, not faithful, not with you. God is mad at you. God is sick of that. He is sick of being um, maligned constantly by his enemy in your heart. And the first thing you might need to repent of is for believing all those lies you believe about God because you've been taught those lies not only by the devil but by the church or by various types of churches or doctrines or or denominations. And, uh, you know, because there's been such a, a convoluting, counterfeiting, of the gospel of Jesus Christ, but if you just begin to read the Bible, just for yourself, don't don't try to fit into some preacher's mold. Take off the religious glasses. And he says here, he says, um, um, we ought to love one another. No one has seen God at any time. Verse twelve. If we love one another, God abides in us, and His love has been has been perfected in us. It doesn't mean that we aren't going to fall down. It doesn't mean that we're not going to mess up. It doesn't mean that from here on out we have to be perfect and have a smile on our face and, and turn the other cheek constantly. There's, there is a time on the other side of that coin where it's time to shake the dust off and not to eat with them. There's a time to depart from those who are uh, bringing discord into the body of Christ. Um, but, he says in verse 13, but by this we know that we abide in him and he abides in us if, because he has given us of his spirit. So this is the key to strength and victory through your trials is the Holy Spirit. Jesus said, go to the upper room. He said, peace I give unto you, the Holy Spirit I give unto you. Did he not? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. The Holy Spirit, part of that, yeah, he gives us his peace. But he gives us his guidance by the Holy Spirit. So mm-hmm. to, to everything, going back to Ecclesiastes chapter 12, to uh, or chapter 3 rather, to everything, there is a season and a time to every purpose under heaven. So the Holy Spirit is given to us to guide us as to how we are to love. And what time um, it is. And, and to and actually enable us to love because the love of God is the result of the Spirit working in us. That's right. Through us. It's the fruit of so the Spirit. It's not because suddenly become super nice guys. Mm-hmm. It's the... Yeah. Fruit of the spirit. Well, it's like this: um, we don't have to become an apple tree to produce an apple. We are a branch that abides in the apple tree, and, the tree and is, that tree, tree is, is Christ. Christ. Yes. <laughs> That's right. Um, so, and he says, um, and we have seen and testified that the Father has sent the Son as Savior of the world. Now, if you ever, ever want to think about what is going to become the final uh, critical dividing point of you know between good and evil, the final, critical, um, ultimately critical dividing point between the lost and the saved and the world and God's kingdom, it would be verse 15, which is where it all, this is the pressure point. This is, this is where it all comes down to. It all comes down to this question and your, your decision in this particular one 
critical issue, and that is verse 15. Whoever confesses that Jesus is the Son of God, God abides in him and he in God. Whoever confesses that Jesus is the Son of God is the thing Satan hates the most in the whole wide world because he knows that if you confess that Jesus is the Son of God, you become an arch enemy, of course, to the en- to the enemy, to the wicked one. But you also are now um, in your heart to be a member, a, a part of the kingdom of God. So Jesus Christ is the Son of God who came to die on the cross. This is the critical issue. I believe this is the issue that people die over. You know, I mean, there's a lot of control, a lot of governmental mandates, a lot of forced corralling of people, taking away of rights, et cetera, et cetera. But the one thing we must not compromise on is that Jesus is the Son of God. And this was the critical point for Jesus himself uh, in his battle against Satan, was for him to continue to know that he, in the Garden of Gethsemane, when he was fighting that, that fierce battle that almost took his life right there, lest God would have sent an angel to strengthen him so he could get all the way to the cross, Satan was going to kill him. But I believe this was the contest. This was the contest in the wilderness. If you are the Son of God, and then in the Garden, if you are the Son of God, I, you know, this Jesus had to know it was the Son of God, and that this cup that was in dispute or discussion at that point, not dispute, but will it pass for me or will I go through with it, was the critical um, act that needed to be taken. This cup had to be drunk, but he had to know that he was the Son of God to do this. Mm -hmm. And a lot of the challenges that Jesus faced from Satan and from Satan working through the scribes and Pharisees and people was questioning and challenging his identity. You know, who is he? Who are you? Are right, you, all the time. Are you? If you are the Son of God, come a, down from the cross. Are you a demon? Are you? Where are you from? Where are you from? Mm-hmm. Are you John the Baptist? Are you Elijah? Right. Are you? Who gave uh, you this authority? Who gave you this authority? Yeah. So he, his identity was constantly, Always. constantly challenged. And this is one of the great security factors in, in the, when we know the love of God, mm-hmm. is that we know who we are. And who he we is. We don't have to assert. Uh, yeah, the, really, the question is, the, the two great issues of life are, are knowing who he is and knowing who we are and how that all relates to other people. Then out of that comes love and peace yes. and, and power and authority and confidence and goodness and hope, knowing that he is the Son of God, which is what the enemy wants to get us to be doubtful about. Exactly, because he was... Jesus, again, so secure in his identity. He says, I know who I am. I know where I came from. That's what, that's the really kind of the rock for us mm-hmm. to stand the because people God. are always going to have different opinions of us. People are going to have be, you know, there's going to be criticisms, challenges, undermining. The devil's going to try to whisper anything. In our own ears. Things in our own ears, about in our own hearts, in our minds, about our identity. You really blew it there. You're stupid. You should quit doing this. You, you're not going to do anything. Why even try with this anymore? I give up. All this it's stuff. All bad. Yeah, get you to give up and, and, and just cash in on the deal. But the, 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 the soul, uh, the establishment of mm-hmm. our identity in the love of God as his children, uh, knowing and, like you said there, and believing that he is the son of God, mm-hmm. uh, 
and we have known and in verse uh, first John four sixteen, mm-hmm. and we have known and believed the love that God has for us. That is so key. Believing it, knowing it, not just a head knowledge, but believing it. There is a knowing. There's a trusting in that. There's a, there's a knowledge that's just that you know that you know that you know kind of knowing. That the God lo- is love, and he who abides in love abides in God, and God in him. But going back to that, and we know, we have known, we have known and believed. It's past, it's done, it's solved, it's settled. The love that God has for us, this is the key. The love that God has for you, the love that's always what the devil is disputing. If God is so good, then why does he let all these bad things happen? Why does he let this go on so long? Why doesn't he come? Why isn't he there? Why does he let me in this great pain? Why, why, why? It's all about testing, challenging our knowing the love that God has for us. Now, we know, as you said, in head knowledge, that this act of sacrifice and death and resurrection is done for us, but for us as a group, as a general group. But is it, do we know that God has a love for you and I individually, that God cannot not love you, that he who abides in love abides in God. And if you're abiding in God and God is in you, then what do those tests look like from that position? I mean, we're trying to take on these tests, trying to find somebody out there to be nice to us, help us, give us a break. But we really need to circumvent all of those stopgap measures and go directly to the, no- to the knowing, God, you love me. God, I'm in trouble. God, you knew about this trouble from the foundation of the world. God, you know I need a place to live. God, you know that you know I, I'm 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 mourning over the loss of my children who hate me or reject me or haven't spoken to me for years or cut me off from seeing my grandkids. God, you know, you know my you know my heart. You you've tested my heart, and you know that I love you and I know that you love me. So together we can weather this storm because God is bigger than all of the storm. Kind of beyond, a little bit beyond weathering the storm. Let's, let's, let's look for just a moment, Marjorie, at people who are outside of Christ, who have gone through life, have been beaten up, attacked, challenged, questioned, turned off with, with what they've seen of church, what they've seen of Christianity. And they're just kind of, out there, uh, how are they going to get the revel? It takes the revelation from the Holy Spirit from God about the love of God for them. But True. how? How? What's What's the issue as far as how can that be communicated to uh, to them? Other than God just doesn't boom drops it in their minds and their hearts and their spirit. But is there a way that we as believers in Christ Mm-hmm. can communicate that love. How 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 do we do that? Well, we are the basically the only way outside of the revelation of Jesus Christ himself. The Lord says, um, they will know you are my disciples by the love you have for one another. And we don't see a lot of that in the church right now. We don't see a lot, maybe in the remnant you do, but we don't see a lot of people, um, you know, really with that uh, fearless love, that un- um, uh, the love that doesn't demand something in return, that doesn't take for itself first, that gives um, out of its own um, lack sometimes, um, that kind of love. 
if you can, you know, give out of your and that, and and with because you're being directed by the love of God, by your you're responding to that person through the compassion that is growing in your heart through the Holy Spirit who works in us. Um, and it says, uh, then that love begins to grow, and that's what will touch them. And it may not be a tract, it may not be a scripture verse, it may not be a uh, beating them over the head of the Bible, it may not be a lecture on sin, it may not be, you know, um, you know, confronting them with their sin. Obviously, Jesus had many opportunities confronted people on their sin, uh, the woman at the well, for example, and all kinds of other people, but he didn't do it that way. He knew where they were at, and he started there, not expecting them to come up to his level and uh, repent, uh, you know, confess uh, in front of them. Uh, we're no better than anybody else except for the grace and love of God that we have been included and brought in and have received that revelation and love. So begin to love them by looking at the place where they're at. And I think we need to start with ourselves. Where are you at? Where? What are the lies that you have believed about yourself that make you feel so alienated from this love relationship with God or so disqualified or so? I mean, it doesn't matter what you've done. It does, but it doesn't. What matters about what you've done is what you do about what you've done and how you let it matter. If you, I don't care if you're a Mary Magdalene out there. Um, Mary Magdalene got, Jesus got through to her. He cast out seven demons who were blocking her ability to receive love. Probably one of them was rejection. Probably, of course, one of them was was uncleanness and prostitution. Uh, Probably one of them was um, uh, divination. I'm sure she had a spirit of cunning and seduction, witchcraft. I'm sure that that was there. Um, Because she had already learned how to protect herself through use of these demons of deception, seduction, uh, you know, cunning, and to be, because she had no one else. So the devil came in and protected her with these various spirits. But when she found out she didn't need all that stuff, because she could just trust in the truth of the word of God and that Jesus persuaded her that it was safe to be loved. I mean, a lot of people, they don't receive love because they don't believe love is safe. They have only seen Counterfeit versions of love. Oh, yeah, counterfeit versions where they've been hurt by love. They've been hurt by a, 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 maybe a father who wasn't there for them or a mother that was um, just uh, treacherous. Wicked, <laughs> wicked and treacherous. Or, yeah. or a relationship with a, uh, you know, a husband or wife or boy, boyfriend or girlfriend mm-hmm. where they're just... Abuse. So this idea, Pun. they've said, well, I love you, I love you, I love you, then when difficult times come and, and, and mm-hmm. somebody I'll love you till I find someone I like better. Or and, I'll love you till I get mad at you. Yeah. And and I think we have to realize, honey, that when uh we're in intense relationships, primary relationships with a son, a daughter, a husband, a wife, the devil works night and day to cause what I call um switching or flipping. The enemy switches, you know, your loved one is is pushed out of the driver's seat and the devil takes over and you see that sometimes people even say, I saw that in his, his eyes or her eyes, they turned dark. There was a, there was a, something came over them and you see this switching out where you're not even dealing with the person. And yet we continue to think it's person. And so we say, how could that person do that to me? That's so treacherous. It's so betraying. It's so um, hurtful. And yet we don't realize that they've just been overcome by a demon of fear because it says here in verse 18, um, 
Uh, let's see. Well, verse 17, love has been perfected among us in this, that we may have boldness in the day of judgment, because as he is, so are we in this world. We don't believe that. We don't believe that as he is, so we are in this world. Because, But it's the truth, because the word of God says it, that the love of God causes us to be like God, not to be God, but to be as he is. So are we to be in this world as Jesus was. Now, Jesus wasn't milk toast. He did, wasn't a doormat. He wasn't a uh, looking for an offense. He didn't take up an offense. He didn't become bitter. He didn't become impatient. Um, he just told it like it was. And from time to time, he even had to sort of lay it out to his disciples, you know, get behind me, Satan. And to John and James, you had no idea what spirit you're of. I mean, he wasn't like just letting them get by with anything. Um, but he didn't dive in there and criticize them, even when they were really acting out. But it says in, um, so as he is, so are we in this world. That's what love's goal is, is to make us like Jesus. And that's the only way we can be like Jesus is to have that love. And the only way we get that is to rest in the fullness of the fact that we are, I am okay, and the Holy Spirit is taking over my life. In Ephesians 4.15, talks there about um, speaking the truth in love. Okay? Now, that some, they may grow up. That they may, yeah, may grow up in all things into him who is the head, mm-hmm. Christ. So, speaking the truth in love. Now, a lot of times, Jesus spoke the truth. Mm-hmm. And he did it in love. Now, there are times when the truth really got people ticked off. It always does, if and, you're of this world. Yeah, So, and that can be misinterpreted and say, well, that's not love. Some people, we have the idea that love is just uh, mushy-gushy, accepting and tolerating and endorsing every sick thing that comes along. Mm-hmm. But that's not the case. That's fear. That's really fear because it says in verse 18, there is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear because fear involves torment, but he who fears has not been made. So if you're afraid and you're being tormented, uh, intimidated by the enemy into believing that you have to endorse something, for example, that is not right, is not truly the love of God, is not truly in the best interest of the person because of your own fear of being rejected or getting in trouble. That is not love. True love is not being bullyish and it's not being bullied because there is no fear in love. And I think nowadays um, that's just so in the forefront even of the news where people are just being bullied into accepting certain behaviors that the enemy has thrust upon us and convinced us are innate to our our human character and that we have the right to practice these particular grievances against ourselves and against God because it's not only our right, but it's innately our, uh, we were born like that, for example. And so we're, as Christians, confused and feeling bullied, uh, I'd say confused and bullied, into being afraid that if I don't, uh, you know, endorse this, or then I'm gonna. But but what is that? If somebody grabs you around the throat and says, "If you don't do what I say, you don't love me," is that how we love them? Because we're 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 falling for their threats. I would say true love is loving them in spite of their threats. Mm-hmm. You know, um, enduring. Uh, love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Um, and so the fear. The, de- the devil is fear. God is love. If whatever you're doing in your life, this is a simple math 
um, uh, exercise. Whatever you're doing, whatever you're believing, whatever you're thinking right now, reduce it down. If it reduces down to love, it's of God. If it reduces down to fear, anxiety, stress, intimidation, it's from hell. It's not of God. This is a simple math exercise. It's a simple moral exercise. It's a simple exercise in determining where you are right now and why you are doing what you're doing. And if you're doing it because you're intimidated or you're afraid of how it's going to look or what's going to happen to you, then it's not truly love because perfect love is fearless. I will love you in spite of the fact of what you are threatening to do to me because I love you. I love your soul. I love you for who you are. I don't have to love your behavior to love you. As a matter of fact, every parent knows that. That's a very simple parental um, 101 kind of thing that, you know, you don't have to, you love your child, but you don't have to love everything they do. And you don't have to be quiet about everything they do, and you don't have to give them permission to do everything that the, that they want to do because they want to do it. And if they don't, if they don't, if you don't let them do it, then you don't love them. That's just their perception and their threat. But the truth is, as a parent, your true love for them says, "No, honey, I have to take this away from you. You, you do need this this uh, this uh, discipline. You do need this correction because I do love you." Mm-hmm. And a lot of times people really misinterpret that as to be just Oh, of course they do. Hate. Kids freak yeah. out, flip kids, out, mad kids, at you, kids, hate kids, you. Kids get mad. And, uh, yeah. and, and adults get mad, too. Like you well, both. Yeah. And see, so in the church, we are just so, because we don't really understand the word of God, uh, we don't have an answer for the, 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 the clever questions. Uh, that the devil throws at us as a church, and we're intimidated, we're pigeonholed, we're buttonholed. Um, you know, I've heard these questions thrown at leaders, leadership in the church, um, these questions about, you know, homosexuality and whatnot. I only heard one guy answer it right on a broadcast that I heard, and I don't listen a lot, but one guy, and I've heard many, 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 many people answer it wrong. They They have answered out of fear. And this one guy who answered it right, it was a pastor in New York somewhere. He says, you know, I don't want to answer that question. And, you know, you don't have to answer every question they throw at you. This is the, this is what I, this is the issue. I love you. I love your soul. I love who you are. No matter what you do, I love you. And I believe that the God that I serve, the love of his mm-hmm. love for me, for you, is able to cause you to come out of this lie, this tra- entrapment. And so it's about truly how the wisdom of the Holy Spirit, he that wins souls is wise. It's the wisdom of the Holy Spirit to know how to answer these kinds of questions, even in your, for example, even your marriage. Um, there's there's constant friction, uh, constant um, uh, issues that are raised, uh, whether it's abuse or temptations to become offended, to become uh, crushed, to become confused about who you are. All abuse renders down to this this identity question. The abused or the abused uh, person is the victim, whatever. They they begin to take on that victim mentality. It's my fault. Yes, I am. It's, it's I'm the one who make you mad. I mean, the the abuser is going to say you're the one who's blowing it. You're the one who makes me to drink. You're the one who makes me mad, for example. And you, as the uh, the one who's being hit with those kinds of charges, begin to believe it because you don't know who you are in Christ. The only way you can survive in a situation that's abusive and violent like that is to know the love of God and listen to the Holy Spirit mm-hmm. and do what he says. 
If you have a question or a comment or you want to enter into our discussion here, please give us a call at 347-215-8051. Again, 347-215-8051. And in verse 19, we have the verse that says, We love him because he first loved us. And that is true. All of the love that we have comes from the source of love, and that is God himself. And in these final days, I'm sure the character of God, the love of God, um, is going to be severely challenged and questioned because of the great circumstances of devastation and destruction that he is permitting because he has to permit the world to go through. And the reason he's permitting it is because, number one, of the choices the world has made in listening to the devil and coming onto his side, taking up his his, uh, suggestions, his walking in the council of hell, the greed, the, the selfishness, um, the fear, really. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, the desire of certain elite groups to rule the world and take it away from all of us, that God has given it to us uh, for free. I mean, God give, gave us air to breathe for free. He gave us water, rain, sunshine. He doesn't charge for any of that. And yet there's people out there who would like to charge and, and take authority control because of fear, because they think they have to have it. But the... The sad thing is that nobody lives forever on this planet and you will die. And at that point, it says we will have to give an account to the Lord. So in verse 20 says, if someone says, I love God and hates his brother, he's a liar. For he who does not love his brother whom he has seen, how can he love God whom he has not seen? I believe this is why God puts it this way, because this loving my brother is an opportunity for me to demonstrate my love for God. And, um, it's a it's real practical, tangible, everyday, all the time love that God wants us to have for one another. Yeah, just going back a little bit, Marjorie, first uh, John four seventeen, love has been perfected among us in this, that we may have boldness in the day of judgment right. because as he is, so are we in this world. Now boldness in the day of judgment. Now there's That means uh, no fear. There's, there's a judgment for unbelievers, there's a judgment for believers, our works are going to be judged. A lot of times we think of, oh, I'm going to stand before God, God is my judge, I'm going to stand before him and give account of my life someday. That, for most people, it puts just absolute, if they can recognize that and believe that, it puts fear in them. If they even go there. Mm -hmm. if If they even go there, because, man, I've done so much wrong that I would be scared spitless to stand in judgment before God. But mm-hmm. here's what it says, is that if we have the love of God in us, mm-hmm. that way we're abiding in God, we're at, our hearts are at one with God, who he is, his purpose, who we are, our purpose, living in that, living in that obedience. Jesus said, "If you, uh, uh, the one that obeys me is the one that loves me. Mm-hmm. So in that place, we have boldness, in the day of judgment, right. uh, not only knowing uh, the final judgment, I believe there's an. It's not that we're cocky and confident, but it's just like, you knowing. know what? I know you, Lord, and, and even, we know and that He even, doesn't lie. Right, and even in the days of, I, th- uh, I don't know if this is a, a totally accurate application, but just, just thought of it now that, in the days of judgment, where God is bringing judgment upon this earth, yeah. Uh, which he, which in fact is happening right now as we speak. Mm-hmm. But we'll have boldness 
because we know the love of God. We're confident in God. We know that the, he will the, provide. Ju- the judge of all the earth, God, will do right and he will provide. Mm-hmm. And even in the midst of all this difficulty, mm-hmm. the, the grace and love of God is there with us through everything that we face. And that is going to be our challenge, to know who we are, to know that we are loved by God, and then to communicate that love, that peace, that calm, that assurance to everyone else, because there is such an anxiety a cocooning and escaping, a scattering, a, a, you know, everybody's racing for exit doors uh, as the, the theater is being threatened and the bomb is ticking, whatever, you know, people are freaking out and this is going to get to be worse and worse. But for those of who know their God, as Daniel said, in those days, and that's the days he was talking about in Daniel, they will do exploits. Um, but it goes back to love. It goes back to knowing who you are and it goes back to love. And he says, um, you know, hating your brother. If we hate our brother, we're that we're a liar. God will not tolerate liars. I cannot be a liar, believe lies, and not walk in fear. I'm because if I'm walking in the truth, I will know the truth and who I am. And this and that, it's okay to be okay too. I think that's another thing. People, my life is hard. A lot of times, people's lives are hard. And we've talked about this before on some of the other shows that your life is hard because you're believing lies and you're because you believe the lies about being unworthy and not good enough, um, you're accepting guilt for things that you are not responsible for because God does not consider us. That word responsibility is not even in the Bible. The word God uses is faithful. But if the devil can get you to believe it's your fault and that you're bad, even as things so obvious that weren't your fault, but when you were a child, you probably believed it was your fault. And you're three, four, five years old, that somebody sexually assaulted you or your parents left you or dad abandoned you. If somehow the devil twists all these things around to be my fault. And so I always ask people, well, did you want it to happen? And they'll say, well, no, no, I didn't want my brother to die. I didn't want my dad to leave. Well, if you didn't want them, then your will was not wanting that to happen. So then how could it be your fault if your will wasn't even involved in wanting it? Mm -hmm. And so a lot of times people don't realize that they're being charged, accused by the accuser of the brethren. And then the feeling comes with it of guilt, shame, condemnation, which allows the, the door to open with that agreement with guilt. And so guilt comes in and brings what we call demonic judgments on you. Demonic judgments are things that come through pain, poverty, and um, sickness so that you, you don't feel like you are worthy of being healed. And again, we go back to this thing about love, um, that love, you know, cannot be, is not um, understood, cannot be understood or learned or taught through books or facts, but it has to be, through a revelation and through example. And that revelation is just like just like joy cannot be gotten by studying about joy in a book or thinking about it or reading about it. Or the same with peace. Um, Jesus says, peace I give unto you. Receive the Holy Spirit, he said in John chapter 20, verse 20 and 21 and 2. So the word is to receive the love of God, not earn the these things that God has for us cannot be earned. Therefore, they're not contingent on good works or bad works. They're not, they're not contingent or taken away because of bad behavior. We need to know that God wants you to repent, confess the lies you believe, cancel out those agreements with the devil, like I'm bad, I'm guilty, I'm stupid, it's my fault, and go with the truth. The truth is that I am loved. Part of it is this love has to become tangible to us. 
Mm-hmm. It, it is the love of God is so magnificent and so mighty and just so you know beyond this world, all encompassing. But so God says, I've got to make this love for people who I created in my likeness and image that have gotten all messed up. I need to make this love tangible. Mm-hmm. So I will send my son as a man mm-hmm. to a living, breathing man to to touch, to speak, to feel, to mm-hmm. talk, to embrace, so people will, to go to the cross, so my people will be able to uh, recognize, realize my love. And I, I want to read First uh, John three sixteen through 18. By this we know love, because he laid down his life for us. And we are also ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. But whoever has has this world's goods and sees his brother in need and shuts up his heart from him, how does the love of God abide in him? My little children, let us not love in word or in tongue, but in deed and in truth. Amen. And that leads me to the segue of John chapter, 1 John chapter 5. Um, it says, Whoever believes that Jesus is the Christ is born of God, and everyone who loves him, who begot is also loved him who is begotten of him. That means we love Jesus because Jesus was begotten of the Father. By this we know that we love the children of God when we love God and keep his commandments. Now all the commandments, the ten, the ten thousand, whatever they are, have been reduced to three, and that is thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, soul, mind, and strength, and thy neighbor as thyself. For this is the love of God, verse 3, that we keep his commandments, and his commandments are not burdensome. You know, when you love your baby, your brand new infant, your child, that it, though it's a difficult, I mean, there's a lot of work involved, there's sacrifice, there's pain, it's not somehow burdensome. A mother doesn't feel put out, offended, burdened by her child. She has compassion on that child or the father, and you are willing to lay down your life if necessary mm-hmm. for that child. So, this commandment is the commandment that's not burdensome. Some of those other commandments, you know, um, the the letter of the law kills, Jesus said, but the spirit gives life. So a lot of us have been killed by the letter of the law and our hearts are broken and we feel bad. He says, but in verse four, for whoever is born of God overcomes the world. And this is the victory that overcomes the world. Our faith, our faith in what? Our faith in the promises that God has made to us like he did to Abraham, that he does not lie, that he is going to come through, that what he promised he will do. And we just seem, we just need to, by the strength of God, um, abide in him until we see his promises come to pass. Abraham did not see all those promises fulfilled in his temporary lifetime. But if he looks down from heaven now, he will see all of those promises more than fulfilled as he continued to walk in the faith, uh, the faith, of faith and in the faithfulness of God. Uh, he who he is he who is he who overcomes the world, but he who believes that Jesus Christ is again the Son of God. We go back to that issue of the identity. Who is he in verse um, fifteen? If we confess that Jesus is the Son of God, God abides in him, and he who overcomes in the world is the one who believes that Jesus is the Son of God. So the question becomes really twofold. Actually, who is Jesus? Is he the Son of God, or is he just some flannel board? Figment of your imagination, some other, put it with all the other fables and fairy tales and fantasies and explanations of the world as the devil has given us millions of them. 
uh, and people are so seduced into fables and fairy tales and fantasies these days mm. that the the story of of you know I mean we are we're more likely to believe something like uh, the god Thor coming down to rescue the earth as in the Avengers or something as opposed to the true story as written in the Bible that Jesus came down from heaven to rescue the human planet and the world uh, and those who would come to him. So um, I, I just know that the identity of Christ and the love of God are the commandments that we are to keep, profess, and continue to believe for victory over our life circumstances. Back down to the first uh, part of verse 16 of First John chapter 4. And we have known and believed the love that God has for us. That knowing in our hearts, that that trust. This this is really a a whole matter, Marjorie, of just a, a whole a full consciousness mm-hmm. that that I have as you operate in this world with not with arrogance but with confidence in the spirit of with God, peace, mm-hmm. with rest. And it's it's okay. You're not all offended if somebody rejects you. You're not fearful mm-hmm. or anxious if you're in that place of rest. And God wants us in yeah. that place of and rest. And if you notice yourself being agitated in those places of those various lies, begin to cancel them out. Forgive the people who who set you up. Go to the place where you originally signed that contract in your mind and let the Lord show you where that is. And Reject it, cancel it out, so that you can walk in that deliverance and that freedom. And in John, First John, chapter five, verse fifteen, he says, verse ten, he who believes in the Son of God has the witness in himself. He who does not believe God has made him a liar, because he has not believed the testimony that God has given of His Son. So, if you don't believe Jesus is the Son of God and come to die on the cross, and you don't testify, you've actually said, "No, God, I don't believe you." I don't believe this whole thing. This is just a made-up story. You're actually calling God a liar. And this is the testimony that God has given us eternal life, and that life is in his Son. So if you reject the Son, you basically have rejected that which comes with him uh, and through him, which is uh, eternal life. He who has the Son has life, verse 12. He who does not have the Son does not have life. And a lot of us say, well, I don't feel like I have eternal life. I'm not sure I'm saved. That doesn't mean anything. The assurance of salvation is not the required uh, characteristic of being saved. What is being saved is that you did what God said to do, and God is assured of your salvation, even though the devil may rip at you and say, oh, you lost it, you sinned again, you've backslidden, you're no good. Backsliders, just come back to Jesus. Quit making this a big issue. Just repent, submit, say, I blew it, I believed the lie, I'm still in, let's get back on track here. Um, just like when you drive on the road and you run into the ditch, you don't want to live in the ditch. Get up, get back on the road, and you know the road goes the right direction. So, he who has the Son has life. He who does not have the Son of God does not have life. That's very cut and dried. That's the, the most critical uh, dividing line. You're, you're either in or out, depending on if you have the Son. How do you know you have the Son? Well, because you have the Holy Spirit. And by the way, for backsliders, the Holy Spirit's right there. He's went with you the whole trek of the way, and he's never left you, and you know that. And you know that, and because you know that, you also know that you can know other things. You know that he's with you. You know he's protected you. You know you're not dead. Um, He says in verse 13, um, These things I have written to you who believe in the name of the Son of God that you may know that you have eternal life and that you may continue to believe in the name of the Son of God. So it's very important that we know that we know what we know. We don't have to go by our soulish feelings and mind and our thinking. 
And then finally, this brings us to a great confidence in verse 14. Now, this is the confidence that we have in him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And we know, and if we know that he hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have the things we've petitioned or asked of him. So there you have it. If we know that we that he hears us, we have a confidence that he uh, that he has heard us. If we ask anything according to his name, we know he hears us. And if you ask two things, you ask according to his name or his will, and you know he hears you, then the third thing is also um, a for sure that we know that he hears us and we have the things we've asked of him. And I say, well, I've asked things of God in the will of God and I did not get them. Well, what do you know? You know that you've asked in God's will. You know that sometimes we have an idea of what would be best and yet we don't understand that he also promised that all things work together for good to those who love God, who are called according to his purpose, that he will never test us or tempt us beyond or above that he's able to keep us, but with every temptation he will make a way of escape. We also know that both in every place, every situation, every circumstance you are in, everything that's happened to you today, yesterday, that's going to happen to you tomorrow, that both God and Satan are all, both, working in the same place at the same time, do the opposite thing. So many times we focus on, meditate on, worry about, become anxious over, look at, mull over what the devil has done and begin to give him ground to create anxiety, worry, and trouble. Whereas you say, you know what? I saw, Lord God, what the devil just did. Now what are you going to do about this? What are you doing to bring glory to your name and to answer my question? Because I know that you hear me. See, once you have that relationship with God and know that you're loved, You also know that he cares about you and that he's going to hear you, even when you don't think he's listening, even when you don't think that um, he pays any attention to you individually. Um, Obviously, if he knows how many hairs are on your head, he would definitely know about you as well. Um, So these are the, the critical pieces to, you know, my life being hard is to know, number one, that I can be at peace with God. Jesus abides in me. I know he loves me. I love him. Even when things are rough, I don't base my relationship with God on how it looks, how it feels, or my circumstances, because Jesus had a lot of circumstances that he could have based his thoughts towards his father on that would have taken him out of the race completely. Mm-hmm. So we base it on the word of God that he cannot lie. Mm-hmm. And as we uh, come to a conclusion here today, Marjorie, First uh, John chapter 5, verse 20, and we know that the Son of God has come and has given us an understanding that we may know him who is true, and we are in who, him who is true, in his Son, Jesus Christ. This is the true God and eternal life. And the verse right before that is, we know that we are of God, and the whole world lies under the sway of the wicked one. So there are two camps. And we understand that. So you are in God's camp. Of course, you're going to get a few missiles fired at you in this war. So do not be discouraged. Be encouraged. And as a matter of fact, that's the blessing we're going to leave with you today. Just one more good piece of information. Um, for those of you who are interested or have been waiting for it, the new book, Cravings, is now um, arriving. And it's the, uh, the, the, the book that talks about addictions, why I do what I don't want to do, it talks about Romans 7. It talks about our identity in Christ. It talks about um, who God is, why bad things happen to us, and why can't I seem to overcome what uh, I've been struggling with 
trying to quit what I can't stop sort of thing. So that book, Cravings, is going to be available. You can go to our website after today um, and check it out. We'd be love to give you a first chance to look at it. And um, we're so excited about this show, about you, about you joining us today, about the, the listeners. God bless you and be uh, encouraged in the Lord this day. And just uh, receive and enjoy the love. the love of God. Amen. And pass it on yep. to everyone you can. Love yourself first. God bless you. Bye-bye. I have an emergency. What is your location? for yourself.